Hello and welcome to History by the Pint, a new podcast series that covers all things history and archaeology in the time it takes to drink a pint. My name is Alex Rosen, I'm a TV producer and author, and with me as always is Glyn Davis, a curator at Colchester Castle Museum, and Chris Shavitsky, a lecturer and researcher in Rome. In this episode, Chris is going to be chatting to us about one of ancient Rome's most famous monuments, the former Urbis, or Marble Plan, fragments of which are now on show in a spectacular new museum. So Chris, tell us a little bit more about this new museum that's opened with the, the Marble Plan in it. Have you, have you been there recently? Yeah, so it uh, yeah it opened about three weeks ago. It's not technically a new museum. It's the old Caelian Antiquarium, which opened over a century ago in order to to hold a lot of the archaeological discoveries that were being rapidly found in the 19th century as a lot of redevelopment was going on in Rome, uh, full of architectural fragments and all sorts. But then it's been closed pretty much since the 1930s when they built a metro line underneath it and the the vibrations destabilised the building. Uh, It was open periodically, but a lot of the collection was moved out. Uh, Now it's it's been reopened. Uh, A lot of the architectural elements are visitable again, which is fantastic. What's most exciting about it is that they've installed in one of the rooms of the museum what used to be a, um, a swimming pool during the fascist period, uh, they've reused that building and installed in it the enormous, fantastic marble plan, a so-called marble plan or, or former urbis of Rome. So what's that then, Chris? <laughs> yeah, yeah Glenn, Glenn's <laughs> asked the question before we get too deep into the fragments. What is the marble plan of Rome then, Chris? Concise answers only. So the marble plan of Rome is, is a quite remarkable document. It's effectively the ancient city of Rome as it existed in the early 3rd century AD, in the time of the Emperor Septimius Severus, the layout of the city, bird's eye view, incised onto a series of marble slabs. So giving you a, a plan of the centre of the city in ancient Rome. Only about 10% of this survives. So archaeologists have struggled since it was rediscovered really to try and put it together it's like a jigsaw but with 90% missing but it's also the original scale is enormous so the marble plan measured 18 by 13 meters so it's an absolutely colossal image of the city that was once attached to a wall and now a large number of the fragments that do survive or at least the fragments that can be pretty well positioned a lot of fragments no one quite knows where they go but a lot of the fragments that could be positioned have been put into this new museum and they've done it in quite a quite an interesting way they've used what's known as the Noli map so an 18th century cartographer an artist an architect Noli created a, a map of the city of Rome and they've recreated that on the floor and then into the floor they've sunk the ancient marble fragments of the ancient city of Rome as to where they should be relating to the 18th century city so you know, you've got part of the Colosseum is represented on one fragment other bits of temples on others. As I said, the big problem is this is highly, highly fragmentary. 90% of it is, is, is missing. But it's a, it's a fantastic document for what elements of the city look like. Some of these monuments, you know, some of them we already know what they look like. We know what the Colosseum looks like. 
Other buildings, we don't because they're still buried underneath the modern city. It also tells us structures that we had no idea about. And also it gives us some of the street plans of, of Rome, which is what we're, we're largely missing. You know, Rome is, um, as you see it today and you walk it, it is very much a medieval to 20th century city and the street plan of ancient Rome and its housing is largely lost and here on the on the ancient plan you can see some of these streets it's a it's a fantastic monument if you like in its own right I think it's amazing Chris do we know why this was like commissioned was it even commissioned like where where was this plan was it center of Rome you rock up in Rome and you're like oh I can check the map see where I am and navigate my way around (laughs) yeah exactly well so so it sometimes gets called a map, but it's probably not a map because it wouldn't have been much use to anyone. So we know that it was in a building called the Temple of Peace. The Temple of Peace actually is in a very, very large complex with a relatively small temple in it and one side room up one wall. The wall still exists. It was up the side of the wall. As I said, it's 18 metres um, by 13 metres, but actually it started a good four to five metres off the floor so if you're stood in front of it, you can't really see the top part of the, the map at all. So it's not useful for orientating yourself around the city. It has been suggested that this was the, the office of the city precinct, you know, the person that's responsible for, for property demarcation in the city. But other than the fact that this map is there, there's no real reason to assume that that office is in the Temple of Peace. On some level, it just seems to be a monument symbolising the monumentality or the, the, the scale or the impressiveness of Rome as a city. Certain buildings are depicted in greater detail than others, those that are considered perhaps particularly significant for the Severan regime. So Septimius Severus who, and his son Caracalla that, that put up the map. Um, there was an earlier version, very likely. There seem to be fragments of other maps in Rome, and it's possible that the Temple of Peace, which was originally built by Vespasian, burnt down in the reign of the Emperor Commodus, restored under Septimius Severus. It's quite possible that Septimius restores an earlier map. And there's a number of details in the map that are anachronistic. So if you go to Rome today, there's the area known as Lago Argentina, the Cat Sanctuary, where Julius Caesar is murdered. It's got these four Republican temples in them. The way in which those temples are depicted on the marble plan is actually the layout of the temples as they were in the 1st century BC, not the 2nd century AD, which has led to the suggestion that actually this, the map as a whole, parts of it are based on, on earlier documents. And in general, it might be based on cadastral maps of property demarcation, boundaries, but were on disposable material rather than something in marble because if you're noting who owns certain property largely so you can tax people on it you're not going to incise that on marble because you've got to change that every time you sell it so although we do have other versions of marble plans with actually property mentioned on them it seems it doesn't have a function or i mean people have argued about this but it doesn't probably have a function other than it being a monument in its own right something that's impressive to look at and, and demonstrates the scale and size of, of Rome, which is, a, which is a feat in itself. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I always remember the, the argument that people said that it was used by the city prefect, that it was sort of in the offices of the city prefect uh, within this temple of peace, and it was sort of a very functional, very usable map. But actually what you're saying is it's like a monument, it's, it's almost a work of art, which actually fits more with the use of the temple of peace, right? I mean, because it had other works of art in it, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So the Temple of Peace, it's a little bit of a, a misnomer. What it actually is is a large porticoed space that is then filled with seems some kind of gardens, but also works of art. It's a place of otium, of relaxation, of leisure. You wander around, you can have meetings there, you can go there to, to relax. And only at, at one far end is actually the what we call a temple, but is, is the actual where the cult statue is. Yeah, so it's a, it's a place, there might be functioning offices within it, and it has been suggested it's the city precinct, oh sorry, the, the, the prefect of the city that has their offices there. But apart from the presence of this marble plan, there's no reason to think that. And the only reason to think that is because the marble plan is there, but if the marble plan is nothing to do with the city prefect, then we don't need to, to make that connection. You know, undoubtedly the Romans do have plans that denote property ownership everything from private residences to public buildings to aqueducts. And in fact, there is a, there's a very small um, fragment, and I've only ever seen it reproduced in, in black and white images, which makes me think it's now been lost. But there is a very small fragment of another marble plan which shows an aqueduct which indicates then the ownership of the lines coming off of the aqueduct, so separate water concessions coming out of that aqueduct and which properties that they're going to. And also, also in the south of France... There's a marble plan which denotes the area around a city and who owns certain areas of um, the centuriation of the, the land use around that. But no, I, I don't think it's really got a functional purpose, but it's based on plans that did have a functional purpose. Well, I suppose it'd be incredibly costly to produce those. So I don't know, it'd probably be wrong to say it's a vanity project, but you know, these slabs of marble like that and erecting that and then having people do that to scale. I mean, that's not a slapdash job, is it? No, it's not. No. So it's very costly. But then the Temple of Peace is very costly. So the Temple of Peace burns down in 191 AD during the reign of Commodus. It gets rebuilt by the Severan emperors after they come to power in civil war. The whole reconstruction of that with its enormous granite columns is an incredibly costly project. So perhaps in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much. That said, this is Proconetian marble. So it's imported from what is uh, today northern Turkey, the island of Marmara, um, Proconesos, just off the north of Turkey. It's imported. Marble plan is put up. And then, yeah, it's in, it's, it seems to have been incised once it's actually been put on the wall. Very costly job, very skilled and technical job. That said, it is got there are plenty of errors in it from the numerous people that carved it. That's interesting. Have, are there any notable ones, like obvious ones that academics can pick up on. Yeah, someone like misplaced the Colosseum somewhere or something. <laughs> <laughs> misplaced the Colosseum. Certain things are of offer of a slightly different orientation to what they should be. Some of the inscribed names, so you know the major monuments are labelled. There's a number of errors in the inscriptions. You can even see where they one of the stone carvers started to inscribe one of the letters incorrectly and then had to adjust it. And there's also these anachronistic parts to it where it's clearly it's showing traces of an earlier plan. But at the same time, you've got very, very recent contemporary buildings in there. So, you know, we know it's, that it's put up by Septimius Severus because there's an inscription on it to Septimius Severus and his first son Caracalla. But also it's got monuments that belong to the Severan age. But then it's also got these anachronistic versions of other monuments, which again suggests you know, it's not something that, it's not an 
a foolproof detailed plan of exactly how all of the buildings looked in Rome between 203 and 211 AD which sometimes it's taken as it's a it's a, a graphic representation of um, or an idea of that that isn't meant to be studied in detail. I mean, this is one of the disconnects that that we have as scholars is that we, you know, we we tend to study in great detail things that were not meant to be examined that that closely all the time. Now that's really interesting, actually. I mean, so so going back to how archaeologists are sort of using this plan, then what does it what does it give us? So what are the sort of the main sort of breakthroughs or revelations from the fragments that we have today? There's a number. I mean, so so one of the main things is it shows us buildings that we only know of either in part or perhaps not at all, or they're just mentioned in textual sources, in areas of the city that have not been excavated or in places that have been destroyed. So even, you know, so one of the nice things is the Temple of Peace. Actually, we know a lot more about the layout of the Temple of Peace because there's a big fragment of the marble plan that survives, but the whole of the Temple of Peace has not been excavated. Likewise, uh, the Porticus of Livia, so a, a giant, again, recreational porticus built by the wife of the Emperor Augustus. We know approximately where it is in the city, but we only know its plan from the marble plan. And the other thing is, it's not just that monument, but on that, that's a particularly large fragment. All around it are the street networks, and these are completely missing. It's in an, an area of Rome that's now it's more or less uh, Monte which has never been excavated because it's been continuously inhabited, more or less, and, and built on and built on and built on. And so we, you know, people have never really excavated that part of the city. And so you get to see the appearance of certain monuments that now have either been completely lost or areas of the city that, that haven't been excavated. And, and so from that point of view, from the point of view of a, a topographer, someone that's interested in what the ancient city looked like, it's invaluable but that doesn't mean there's not big arguments over which bits belong where or which monuments are actually shown because it's so fragmentary i was just wondering about the the size of these fragments because i've I've never seen them uh in the flesh before how many fragments are there i mean you mentioned 10 percent of the map survives so in total i I forget the number but i think it's around you know 1100 1200 uh the you know, reasonably large, you'd struggle to carry them in your hand, absolutely tiny. The world's largest, <laughs> the world's largest jigsaw. Where you yeah, the world's largest jigsaw, temp- you're missing it. And you don't have like the box to look at as to what it should look <laughs> like. Um, I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned the box there. I mean, is this plan mentioned in any ancient sources? Is it referenced? Are there any other clues outside the pieces itself that, that tell us no. more about it? No, not at all. So um, there is a reference in Pliny the Elder to the fact that Agrippa made a map of the world, but we don't really know what that looked like. So I really want to ask, have they found any new bits? Do, do any new pieces of the marble plan ever turn up, or is it kind of a fixed kind of assemblage of material? Uh, no, things things do turn up, not normally where you expect them. So the vast majority of fragments, you know, a huge number were found in the 1500s at the, at the base of the wall. And then they've been turning up for the next few centuries after that. But they also turn up all over the city because in medieval and then early modern Rome, they're using marble, they're repurposing it either as building material uh, or using it, they burn it as lime uh, or burn it to make um, lime with. 
then it, the marble gets moved around and taken various places. Uh, the most recent fragment was discovered in a property on the Aventine Hill, so yeah, a long way from the Temple of Peace. Private property in their garden. Someone turned over one of the paving slabs that had been used to, to cross the garden. This is a very old property, but they turn over the paving slab and there's a, a fragment of the former herbis which says Balneum, so bath building. On wow, on the that's underneath, unbelievable. Um, so, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? You could imagine, yeah, you, know, you could just oh, going along, you turn over the marble frame. Oh, all right, oh, great, we've got another yeah, piece of form robus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's um. So there are pieces turn up on a on a regular, not on a regular basis. Sorry, but pieces do turn up. Most of it, you know, it's not that we're going to find suddenly the other ninety percent. Most of it will have been destroyed or has ended up in the Tiber at some point or been burnt for lime but there is certainly the possibility that more will turn up and also you have people working on positioning some of the fragments that aren't known and there's new interpretations being being offered of it as well the the best thing is that it's actually on display and people can go and see it because it hasn't been on display in over 100 years it wasn't in this museum originally it was uh, in the Capitoline museum the final display of it i think was in the 1930s and then it's kind of been in storage, basically, where, where you know, select people could see it and work on it. They occasionally brought out a fragment for an exhibition. You, you know about it because of publications, but generally you don't get to see it. And now, actually, not only can people that are interested in studying it go see it, but members of the public can see it. And it's a, a really brilliant document. And it's fantastic that they've opened this museum. People can go and see it. Um, and actually, outside of the museum as well, there's there's loads of fantastic other things. All these architectural fragments that are dotted around as as well. So so the best thing is that it's actually on display uh, for the first time in a hundred years. Yeah, and I, I'd love to go and see it. Like I said, it's it's been something that we've all been interested in, but but never actually seen the flesh. And now, Chris, you've been there, and there's the museum and. Yeah, it just sounds like a fantastic addition to... Um... Well, you better come soon because there's always a habit of them closing stuff as well. <laughs> really? It's like the, the, well, the Mausoleum of Augustus, which I think we all saw back in 2007. They then closed the year afterwards for restoration. It was then under restoration for the better part of 14 years. They reopened it briefly in 2001 and then closed it again and you can't get in it again. So if you see something, actually go and see it because um, yeah. you never know they're going to take it off display again. No, that's really interesting, actually. And we should definitely do another chat about the Mausoleum of Augustus because that really is fascinating. I was just sort of wondering, is there a sort of holy grail of a piece of the marble plan? Like, if they were going to discover a piece of the marble plan, like tomorrow, what would you want to be on it? Is there one area of the city where you're like, we really don't know what's going on there? We don't know much about the buildings. Is there some area that might be illuminated potentially by a new find from the marble plan? The Capitoline Hill, I think, you know, symbolically the most important hill in Rome. And yet on some level, we know so little about the monuments or that well, where we know what the monuments were that were on it, but we don't really know about exactly where they were. We've got the Temple of Jupiter Capitolinus, but even that we've only got the substructures there's so many other temples on it. From the marble plan, there's elements of some of the slopes that survive. There's possibly a fragment that shows one, perhaps two temples. We don't know what temples they are. And yet this is the 
you know, sometimes people say, oh, the Forum is the centre of Rome, but the most important part of Rome is, is, is the Capitoline Hill. And it would be great to know how that's depicted in the layout of, of the buildings there. That, that would be pretty good. There's other areas where actually they've been pretty well excavated and I think it'd be less interesting, the Imperial Forums. We, you know, they've been largely excavated. They're continuing excavate. We know, okay, there's details you don't know, but you largely know what they look like. To find the rest of the Colosseum, what you're going to learn? Oh, it's 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 an ellipse, and there's seats on the other side as well as that side. Oh, great! No, yeah, yeah. or um, or um, or parts of the parts of the city without monumental buildings to know a little bit more about some of the neighbourhoods and the street layouts. Um, the like area the or something like that, you yeah, know, yeah. Absolutely. The Sabura, exactly, which is where the the Porticus of Livia is. So to have more of the Sabura would be fantastic. To have more of what's modern-day Trastevere on the other side of the river, to know a little bit more of, of kind of those neighbourhood-type areas, I think that would be that'd be pretty interesting. Because that's the stuff, bizarrely, that we don't have in Rome. If you want to see a, a Roman city, you can go to Pompeii or Ostia, where you can see housing at Pompeii. It tends to be the, the, the Roman domus at Ostia. You've got these big insular blocks or apartment blocks. In Rome, there's some apartment blocks that you can see and a few more that are that are known underground but by and large what you see is the monumental city and you don't see where the people are living and you don't see the housing and you don't see the streets and so to see more of that from the marble plan that would be pretty cool well i think that's a good place to end the episode and uh well i think lynn and i are definitely gonna have to come out and see this new museum at some point yeah come out come out and see it great well thanks again chris and yeah i'll see you guys next time cheers cheers cheers